talked last week about how Lent is a season of training for our faith. And in our story today, we see Jesus training the disciples. He's been training them for a while on learning that he is the Messiah. And he's shown them through signs and miracles and healings and teachings. And now he gives them a test and he asks, who do you think I am? And Peter responds, you are the Messiah. So Jesus says, great, they passed the test. Let's take them to the next level of training about the cross. The reading is from the gospel according to Mark in the eighth chapter, beginning at the 31st verse. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and rebuked him. By turning, but turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me in this adulterous and sinful generation of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So to understand this story, you really have to understand what Peter and the disciples expected for the Messiah. When they heard the term Son of Man, they immediately thought of Daniel, the prophet Daniel, which many of them would have been reading during this time looking for the coming of the Messiah. And what they would have read is, I saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the ancient one and was presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away. His kingship is one that shall not, never be destroyed. They would read that the Messiah kills the beast and rules the nations. And they would interpret this in their situation and time to mean that the Messiah is going to destroy Rome, to throw off the beast of their, of their um, slavery. And, and Jesus will reign on a fiery temple at the temple in Jerusalem with them on 12 thrones beside him and the priests and scribes and elders finally falling in line behind him. So when Jesus starts talking about the Son of Man suffering, being rejected, and being killed by the Romans, the priests, 
and the elders. Well, that's, that's very disorienting. No, check that. It's disturbing. No, it's embarrassing. Mark makes the point very clear that this story is about shame and embarrassment. Jesus is saying this quite openly, it says, and Peter takes him aside, right? Takes him away from the crowd, and, and he can't stand it. He, he says, not in front of everyone, Jesus. You, no one wants to hear this. This is bad pub. This is, this is not getting you followers, Jesus. This is way off script. You're embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing us. Peter is concerned about human things. Probably worldly status. That's often what the disciples are concerned about, about who is the greatest, about who gets to sit at the left and the right hand and rule the, the galaxy with Jesus. In their mind, the Messiah should be popular powerful renowned not crucified the crucifixion is for the weak the notorious and by its very act of humiliation it makes you the most unpopular and lowest status person in the empire it's embarrassing and shameful for Jesus to even talk about it, and Peter wants him to stop. Remember, remember, as we talked last week about how Satan operates. He takes a, a painful emotion, right? This idea of the Messiah being crucified, of Jesus being crucified, and he deceives a person into hurtful behavior. Satan uses Peter's misunderstanding and and creates fear over his perceived loss of status. And fear manifests itself as embarrassment as Peter is deceived into working against God's good purpose in the world, which makes him like Satan. Jesus sees Satan at work and calls it out. He doesn't just correct Peter. He embarrasses him. He deliberately, it says, leaves the private conversation that Peter and he are having, and he, and he turns back to everyone to call Peter out. Talk about lowering his status. He's changed him from rock upon which I will build my church to adversary. Now, I can tell you as a Navy man, this is poor leadership. By the book, we are taught you praise in public and correct in private. Because the Navy understands that most of us, like Peter, can't deal with the loss of worldly status that comes with public correction, the, the humiliation. Rather than seek a stronger faith through correction, repentance, and forgiveness, we like to pretend like we don't have anything wrong with us. Our ideas about things are right. Our actions are rightly motivated, even if they don't work out quite the way we want them to. 
We like to create a facade of perfection, an impenetrable mask of power, status, and renown, of being good people who basically succeed, basically fit in, who look good, feel good, nothing to be ashamed of here, nothing to be embarrassed about here. And from that we get our status in the church and in the world. Deep down, in the dark places, we nurse our shame because we know that we can't live up to the person that we have created, the facade that we have made. And then when correction comes, when someone points out a crack in the wall, chips away at that paper-thin massage of the human things that we've staked our life on, we feel embarrassment and shame, and it leaks out and drives us to angry and defensive responses, a perfect place for Satan to work. Being embarrassed or ashamed, as Jesus says, about Jesus and his words is all about rejecting the truth that we are broken sinners in need of God's grace. It's about rejecting the cross. The cross that says we are sinners and that Jesus goes to take our sin upon himself and die for us. When we start to live in this lie about ourselves, we start to apply it to others, too. And it breaks our community. Right here in our church, we start to get embarrassed. Because it's full of broken sinners, imperfect people in need of God's grace. We wish our brothers and sisters in Christ were a little less annoying a little less argumentative, a little more like the us that we wish that we were. And then we start to look around and we wish that we, church had better coffee. We wish it had a fancy light show. We wish that we had a hundred person choir. We're a little embarrassed about our pastor who doesn't cut his hair and shave his face and who walks all around and yells a lot. We get concerned about the worldly status, the numbers, the budget, about looking good, feeling good, filling up the pews. And then we get embarrassed and ashamed about Jesus. Jesus leads out of a different book. He pushes his lack of embarrassment about the cross even further than simply calling out Peter in front of the disciples. He calls the whole crowd and begins to teach them that the kind of embarrassment and self-focused worldly shame that, that Peter is displaying is working directly against the salvation and true life that he is offering. 
when he says, take up your cross and follow me. This is an expression that's often very misrepresented. People say, well, it's my cross to bear, talking about some burden they have to carry. But crosses were not about carrying burdens. They were about dying a humiliating death. So when Jesus says this, He's saying that the path to true life and salvation is about giving up all that you know to be good and valuable for your worldly status in this life. Dying to yourself, the self that you've created, dying to this facade that you wish you were. Dying to the status that you wish you had or that you have, arbit- uh, have created. Instead, Jesus says the path to true life is humility, self-sacrifice, Loving yourself and loving your neighbors, not for who you wish you are, but for who God made you to be, who God can save you to be. And Jesus thinks that a little embarrassment and shame is okay if it makes you more humble, more ready to receive correction, repent, And find freedom in the grace of God and Jesus Christ. Because Jesus knows that the cross comes before the resurrection. Lent comes before Easter. You must acknowledge the broken places of your life before you can give your whole life. All of your life. Even the brokenness and darkness that you wish wasn't there to God. Because when you do that, when you give it to God, then is when God can cover it in grace, forgive your sin, and begin to transform you into a new creation. And it turns out that that might be a little difficult. It might be a little humiliating. It might be a little painful. And the goal isn't to feel good all the time. The goal is to follow Jesus. And even though it doesn't always feel good now, it will feel great when Jesus comes in glory. And instead of being ashamed of who you are and what you've done, Jesus will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the glory of your master. So what to do? What to do? In this season of Lent, maybe let God embarrass you a little bit. Let the the word of Jesus work into your heart to find the places that you're ashamed of. That you need correction, repentance, grace. And once God has worked that grace in you, Bear fruit worthy of repentance, as the Baptist John says. Give yourself and your brothers grace and sisters grace. Show that far from being embarrassed about your church family, 
you are in love with your church family. Maybe get a little embarrassing about it. Maybe start to share more of our videos on Facebook. Maybe a little embarrassing. Start to share more things on Instagram. Start talking to your friends about St. Paul all the time. Invite more people to come and visit or visit us online. Or better yet, talk about Jesus. Talk about his words. Talk about what he's done for you in your life. Talk about his salvation. Talk about the incredible power of the cross until it's a little bit embarrassing. Talk about the freedom from shame and embarrassment that you have experienced in the grace of Jesus God so that now you are growing in grace and in perfection, in love. Can you imagine talking to someone maybe just once about Jesus every week? Man, Jesus is so embarrassing. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.